This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CBB Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Welcome to the only wrestling podcast you will ever need in your life again. Top Rope Nation, episode 134. This is Ryan Drosty here with Kyle Ross, Justin Joint. We're here to break down all the news in pro wrestling. We've got a major WrestleMania deep dive topic for you tonight. And then, well, of course, speaking of deep dives, Kyle will have a deep dive of the week. Have you digging through the WWE Network archives and or YouTube when we get to that at the end of the show. But before we get started here, let's just touch base with all the hosts. Uh, Kyle Ross out there in Cleveland. How is your quarantined week going? Guys, I am really, really jacked for this show. I would promise a podcast of the year candidate, but we all know how that goes. That's a, the ultimate jinx. So I'm not going to do that, but I am ready. I, I am very excited about our topics tonight and um, cannot wait to deliver to our many fans. Yes, I often look forward to podcasting, of course, with you two, but uh, especially lately when I'm not having much social interaction. Always a joy to get on the microphone and record with you guys. I think this is our, God, what is this? Our third, fourth? We've done a lot of podcasts in the last week, week and a half. So I've been talking a lot. I love it. Gives me something to do. Uh, gives me something to look forward to. Justin Joint on the line. We recorded a Top Rope Nation Classics for Patreon. I'll mention that more in a minute. Uh, last Sunday, you were not able to join us for that, but you are back in the co-host chair tonight. What's going on? Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little under the weather um, for the classic show, but uh, I'm feeling better now and ready to talk some wrestling. And, and real quick, for anybody who listened to our show uh, last week, uh, Ryan Drosty, could you give us an update on your uh, My Morning Jacket uh, dive? Oh, I've had them pretty much playing in the background all week, on and off. You know, I got my Alexa pretty much in every room of my house. So I've been listening to them, and uh, I don't know that I could say I have a favorite song, but like like I was telling you guys when I was listening to it that night, so I, yeah, I got off the air with you guys last Thursday night when I was mixing the show, we were texting, and you guys are like, oh, turn on My Morning Jacket, we think this is something you would like, judging by your music taste. You guys both talked about them last week, so I'm like, I gotta check these guys out, and uh, 
Yeah, very impressed. Uh, definitely a band I can see myself just chilling, having a few beers too, which I did that night as well. Uh, but yeah, that that album that I was listening to last week, what's the name of that album again? That's the only one I've been listening to pretty much on repeat. It still moves? Yeah, it still moves. So I like it. It's kind of like, how would I describe it? Slower, yet kind of trippy. Almost They almost have kind of like a like a late 60s sound to them. But I, I enjoy it. I mean, that's kind of my era of rock music. So <laughs> that's right up my alley for sure. When I sent you guys that picture of me staring into the Cuyahoga River earlier this week. Yes. Ask it, asking for it to give me the secrets of WrestleMania's past. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to my morning jacket at that time, actually. It was... Nice. Thanks for the recommendation, fellas. I think maybe we we might have to do a, a music spinoff on the Patreon page. <laughs> Just do a whole music podcast. That might be fun. Top Rope Nation Extra. We could do it. Well, only if we watch that Bon Jovi Always video and marvel how that lead act <laughs> exactly like Brian Alvarez would have in 1994. Oh, God. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, Top Rope Nation episode 134. Before we get to the topics tonight, get all of the housekeeping out of the way. Of course, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. And if you like podcasts, if you like sports, Blue Wire has the podcast for you. Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the whole lineup at bluewirepod.com. And speaking of wherever you get your podcasts, we are available on Apple, which we would very much appreciate it if you would jump on to our Apple podcast page, leave us a five-star review, leave us a written review, even better, we'll read it on the air. Of course, we're also available at Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found. We've been doing uh, kind of a, if you guys checked out our podcast feed last week, and there'll be a new episode, a bonus episode coming out this Monday morning. We've got all the wrestling podcasts on Blue Wire kind of collaborating as ESPN airs these WrestleManias from the past. So last week, ESPN aired WrestleMania 30. It was myself, it was the two, two jabronis with a wrestling podcast, and it was Fight Game Media. We put out just a 30-minute podcast. I thought it was a lot of fun just collaborating with the other wrestling shows on Blue Wire. I think that kind of opened the door to a lot of new listeners for us. So thanks for tuning in and subscribing and joining us. We think you'll like the show. Join us each and every week. Usually our shows You guys got to talk Friday. about the best WrestleManias. It is. Absolutely. Uh, I talked about the Lesnar-Taker match on that. We basically kind of picked out three or four of the, of the big moments from the show. Each of us spent about five to six minutes on it. And we'll be doing the same for uh, WrestleMania 32 this yeah. coming Sunday night. So <laughs> might be a little bit harder to talk about, but should be a fun show. Uh, and that will be available just like the last one was on all of our podcast feeds, whether it's Top Rope Nation, Two Jabronis, or uh, the Fight Game Media guys. So... You can check that out. And then also, like I mentioned a minute ago, uh, we did just do an exclusive podcast for Patreon. This was on Sunday, just a few days ago. Top Rope Nation Classics. It was myself, it was Kyle, and we brought in our good friend Derek Chappelle, who grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, to break down a classic Memphis wrestling match. That was the empty arena match between Terry Funk 
and Jerry Lawler from 1981. If you guys have never seen it, we kind of just do a little background on the Memphis Territory, and then we do a watch-along of the match. It was a ton of fun. Derek's super knowledgeable, obviously, growing up down there about Memphis wrestling. You can hear the first 10 minutes of that show on our regular podcast feed. If you want to get access to the whole show and all of our other Top Rope Nation classics, Top Rope Nation Extra, all of the bonus podcasts over on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Nation. You can sign up for 5 bucks a month to get access to all those exclusive shows. I believe there are 16 of them now on there. In addition to the exclusive shows, you get a free gift in the mail. You get access to our show notes each and every week. You get access to the Top Rope Nation pre-show each and every week, which I post the night we record. So what we just were saying off-air before we went live tonight, that's going up for Patreon supporters uh, here in just a couple of hours. You get access to all of that. Sometimes we do giveaways, all kinds of stuff. Check it out, patreon.com slash Nation. So with that said, I think it's time for In the News. All the latest wrestling news. Get behind the scenes inside a rental. At 1-900-909-9900. Calls cost the buck 49 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission. But call right now. In the news this week... A lot of stuff related to WWE, WrestleMania scheduling, uh, trying to get their television filmed around the coronavirus pandemic. So I've been talking a while. Kyle, you want to kind of break down what's been going on with uh, WWE these last couple of days? Well, I'm just trying to make sure nothing brand new happens right now as we're on the air. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now what? You guys want to know something? Yes. This is like breaking like right now. Uh, Roman Reigns is not working WrestleMania. What? Oh, shit. That is according to Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheet. We like to give credit where credit is due. Uh, This is being picked up right now by everyone. Uh, According to Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheet. I'm, by the way, reading... While Ryan, I guess, broke the story, I'm actually reading the Fightful article, uh, Sean Ross Sapp. Roman Reigns expressed to WWE he no longer feels comfortable performing at the Performance Center in the middle of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic that forced events to the venue. The report specified him being immunocompromised from his battle with leukemia. Wow. This is, like, just hitting. This is It's 9.52 here on uh, in the Eastern Time Zone, eight fifty-two, where you guys live, and I believe it's uh, three fifty-two in uh, Alaska. So uh, <laughs> that is the latest. I mean, that literally uh, just broke. Um, it was funny. I just wanted to make sure I had the latest. I just I was kind of joking around when I hit Twitter and did that. And yeah, sure enough, one minute ago that tweet hit. So uh, wow, does that Holy change? Cow. That is not the, on our uh, format sheet. <laughs> no, uh, this isn't on my sheet, Tony. Oh. Uh, wow. It makes sense, wow. though. I mean, yeah, he is immune compromised from a very, very serious illness. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm kind of surprised n- nobody has brought it up before or yeah. questioned it. It's kind of odd it would happen right now, too, since it's been going on. I guess yeah, they're like you know, taping mania, like right now. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. You, you would think, 
that he, I, I don't know, maybe the situation just got, he was just like, man, I'm going to do it. And then it, it just, I, I don't know. We don't know because we're not behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on. I mean, it's got to be craziness. My heart goes out to everybody working behind the scenes at WWE right now, trying to get all this stuff done. You know, yeah. basically, uh, you know, the go home week mania rumor has it that the raw after mania is already in the can and has been taped. You got all the NXT stuff being taped. That's a lot of folks filing in and out. So look, um, we're kind of reacting to this live. That's Roman's call. Yeah. You know, if, if he feels that way, he shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't have to go. Um, what's interesting is it had been reported earlier this afternoon that quote, most of the top mania matches had been taped in addition mm-hmm. to that post mania raw. So, uh, apparently Roman and Goldberg was not included in the quote, most top mania matches had not been taped yet. Uh, wow. This is a, uh, bombshell 11th hour for WWE and WrestleMania 36. I wonder what they do. I mean, do they throw in a random opponent for Goldberg? Uh, does someone else just step in and win the title? They keep the title reign going. This is going to be pretty intriguing. Yeah. I mean, we could, be looking, at, Reigns. We could be looking at a long Goldberg reign now. I mean, if they're trying to get as many of these shows in the can as possible, I mean, I'd, and frankly, who else is there to step up and take it at this moment? Yeah. Man, this, of course, we did have Stephanie McMahon talking this week about all the safety precautions WWE has been taking. The problem, though, is that this virus is so stealth that no matter what precautions you take, you never know if someone's carrying it. You know, like they talk about they're taking people's temperatures, making sure they're in really good health, they're monitoring if they've interacted with people that have been in and out of the country, things like that. But that doesn't tell you for sure because people carry this vi- this virus like for days before they show symptoms and they can pass it during that time too so i can understand why he would be incredibly nervous about it you know i'm i'm personally immune compromised as well i'm type 1 diabetic and uh the stuff makes me really nervous about going anywhere in public so i can certainly understand why he wouldn't want to go travel across the country and wrestle people so. Yeah, wow. I I feel that, of course this would happen, I feel that our show, notes-wise, was the best prepared we've ever been, maybe in the history of the show. Yeah. And, um, wow, uh, yeah, that's that's the latest right there, that, that Roman Reigns has, uh, uh, he's not in it. He's not on the show. And, you know, Meltzer had reported that both Dana Brooke and Rey Mysterio are or in quarantine right now. And the Rey Mysterio deal obviously kind of caused a reshuffling on the Raw side. That's why we kind of got some of those bizarre matchups announced this week. And then Dana, one would assume, would just be replaced by Carmella. That has not been confirmed, but that's always, that just seems logical, seeing as Carmella was not in. And um, I don't know, maybe it's somebody else that isn't coming to mind right now. But um, I think Carmella was kind of the only woman on the SmackDown roster that was left. Yeah. So, wow. Um, I mean, this is, I mean, that, that, that is a huge story in what is, you know, just a logistical nightmare for this company trying to run, you know, what is typically its biggest show of the year. And is it really a WrestleMania that, um, 
it certainly will always be remembered. Wow. We don't know if it'll be for the, you know, for, you know, just these bizarre circumstances. Yeah. It's going to be a long time, too, until they can run regular shows again. (laughs) The way things are going. I mean, uh, it might be a long time before they can run their performance center. Well, yeah, and that's the other big news that comes. So Orlando, including the performance center, is basically on lockdown. Um, You know, I don't know what the situation is out in Iowa. I know here in Ohio, we're basically being told, you know, you can maybe go for a walk, uh, but that's all you should be doing. Or if you got if you have to go to the grocery store, you can. But uh, yeah, we're we're pretty much on lockdown here, and and so is Orlando. And from what I have read, the lockdown runs through April 9th. Mm-hmm. So that would be Thursday. That would be a Thursday. So I don't know. Conceivably, if it's lifted that day, they could you know SmackDown could be filmed there at the Performance Center. Um, again, there's been reports that the Postmania Raw is already in the can. Um, so, uh, and, you know, Roman, this news doesn't affect that. Yeah. So, uh, we shall see. Um, I, do you want to take a victory lap? Uh, you were right about the production changes they needed to make, right? <laughs> finally, finally, <laughs> they improve things on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, after... God, how many? Three TV tapings? Something like that? Uh, they finally decided to move the hard cam opposite the entranceway. And I'll see what you guys think, but I immediately thought it was a massive improvement. I thought that one little thing changed so much. That's one thing they changed. So before I get to the other things, did you guys think that that helped the broadcast, Justin? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, they made a future, you know, the, the lights and... Uh... I still wish they could have people out there, but I understand why they can't at this yeah. point. Uh, I mean, like people in the crowd, like yeah. AEW did, which they, they scrapped this week now. too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. They removed the chairs, the, uh, the hundreds of empty chairs, are no longer out there. I just, I thought they dressed up the arena a little bit. It seemed like there was more LED boards throughout where they had the chairs before. I think it just it looked way better. I mean, yeah. they, they the first the first one that they did, uh, SmackDown last week after AEW's success they didn't change anything and it was still terrible from a presentation standpoint but i thought raw monday looked much better i think if you got to do shows like this that's about the best you can do with it kyle yeah and you know you mentioned AEW and people on twitter while raw was going on were like oh i guess you know they must have taken their cues from AEW." and i thought in some regards people were getting a little too crazy with that yeah. You know, like with the parking lot brawl, they're like, oh, they're copying AEW. It's folks. Parking lot brawls have been going on for years. OK, <laughs> I mean, watch WrestleMania 12. All right. They've been going on for and they've been going on for a lot longer than that. But, you know, the, the, do you guys follow this Hurricane Helms on Twitter? I do not follow him. I see stuff pop up that people. Well, don't do yourself a favor. and Don't smash that follow button. OK, because, you know, he's like. Somebody, you know, he picked up on somebody's like, oh, because no, somebody tweeted something to the effect. It was not these exact words. Well, you know, I see WWE copying AEW, uh, you know, with the hard cam. And Hurricane Helms correctly pointed out, well, you know, ROH has been doing that for years. And, you know, when we, uh, when we, uh, you know, run MSG, we do that. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a fair point hurricane okay i get that there's a hurricane coming through but then why didn't you do that the previous two weeks when you're doing this 
<laughs> right. Yeah. It, it was pretty obvious what they were doing wasn't working. Twitter feed. There is not a lot of good takes coming through. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it seemed like we talked about last week, they obviously need to make that change. And then I was, you know, we got to SmackDown Friday night. They didn't change anything. Thankfully, Monday they did. I, I just, if it felt a lot better watching the show, I I felt like myself I could take in the show better. I wasn't as distracted by all the uh, problems with the empty chairs everywhere, for example. But yeah, I thought I thought the setup looked a lot better. It gave me some hope that WrestleMania, however they set that up, will be a bit better too. Because we know they're not gonna. I wouldn't think they're gonna have WrestleMania look just like Raw and SmackDown have done. They got to dress it up a little bit more. So. Hopefully, you know, despite there being no crowd there, that they can make it somewhat memorable and have a good setup. So we shall see. But, yeah, we we do have WrestleMania now up to, well, it was 13 matches before the Roman Reigns news. Uh, By the so way, I, guess I tweeted 12. you guys a very funny joke. Or I, I texted you a very funny tweet. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll check it out here. While we're That's always good radio, and I'm like, oh yeah, I just texted you guys this, and we're not going to really talk about it. Maybe I'll tell you. Somebody tweeted, somebody had a picture of the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD, and they put a fake quote, I couldn't wait to fire Roman Reigns, Vince McMahon, 2021. Uh, <laughs> I was just talking about that DVD with someone last night. I even looked it up on eBay. That's hilarious that that tweet just came across. I uh, Being in quarantine, one of my good friends... I haven't. He lives in Milwaukee. Haven't seen him in several months. He's like, "Do you want to like watch something on the network and and uh, we can like get on Facetime together while we're watching it?" <laughs> so it's kind of like a watch along. So we did that, and we used to always watch that self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior in college and laugh our asses off at it. And I'm like, I still have mine. I'm like, dude, you should get that. I'll look it up on eBay. There there was one for like thirty cents or something like. That. <laughs> but that DVD was hilarious. That is, I have a buddy who loves it too. Yeah. Oh, that's a good correlation. So we'll we'll see if Goldberg gets another opponent. Opponent will still have thirteen matches. Of course, this is spread across two nights. Uh, but even so, what are you guys' thoughts on the addition of several of these matches? Do you think any of them are you looking forward to? Is it too much, Justin? What, what do you think of how this card has stacked up? I mean, there's there's nothing behind these matches really they're kind of just throw in so no i mean they're, they're just they're raw matches so i'm no really excited i mean i i don't doubt that there's a chance they could be good matches um but i mean they're not going to, they're not making me want to watch wrestlemania any more than i already would right Agree. The ones that have been added since we last spoke, guys, I guess, or the ones that maybe they hadn't been announced yet, but we, we some of these we kind of knew were coming down the line. But I guess we got like the Miz and Morrison match. Their their opponents have to be determined, but that match is announced. Uh, Street Profits against Andrade and Angel Garza. Aleister Black against Bobby Lashley. Elias versus Corbin. Uh, we knew Edge and Orton was going to be happening, obviously. Um, we knew that Seth and Owens was one. So I think, yeah, I think that's all of them since we last spoke that have been officially added. Well, oh, the we have the women's women match. Yeah. got announced. Yeah, that's right. Um, that five-way there. Yeah. Um, well, five, It's. I think it's going to be a six-way. I mean, Dana Brooke pulled out, like I said. I mean, maybe it will just be a five-way. I don't know. But Dana Brooke was originally in there, uh, too. Uh, but look, anything short, I, I joked 
I think with you guys earlier in the week, anything short of the spirit of Gene Okerlund uh, being resurrected and announcing these matches with the classic Mania music playing behind him. Uh, um, it's tough to get excited about these kind of like yeah. Justin said. Now some could be good. I think that raw tag for instance could be a lot of fun, but when you're buried like 12 deep on a 16 match card, cause there's allegedly more matches to come. Um, and one of them, I do like the prospect of that being Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental title. That seems like it's going to be added uh, Friday on SmackDown. Yeah. But overall, logistically, especially in the light of what's going on right now, just it's more people in the building. Yeah, but exactly. Under a normal circumstance, adding this many matches just doesn't work. I get that everyone wants to be a part of the biggest card of the year, but just doesn't work for me. And are these two nights going to go like a combined eight plus hours? Oh, that's a lot of wrestling. I know we're not doing much folks and I'll watch them all, but that's a lot of wrestling. Uh, and it exposes to me when you look at the matches that have been added, a pair of issues. You've got too many titles in this promotion. And for the record, I would say the same damn thing about new Japan. Okay. And, this roster is too large. They just have too many people under contract. That's why, you know, people complain about so-and-so's mobility all the time. The roster is just too damn big. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys are going to love this. So I did a statistical analysis of my seven favorite WrestleManias. Sure, oh boy. don't worry. Uh, all seven of those shows had between eight and 12 matches, including the pre-show, with eight, eight, 9, 9, 9, 12, and 12. It's an average of nine and a half matches, including pre-show. So sweet spot in terms of these top-tier manias seems to be you know maybe nine on the main show and one pre-match. Yeah. One pre-show, I should say. Now, I get that the roster is bigger than ever. Maybe you want to go a little bigger, but to me, you can't go bigger than 12. Yeah, I think once they these last couple of years they've been getting into these like fourteen match shows. It's way overblown. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was the issues with you know back in like that WrestleMania five through seven era. And keep in mind those shows were like three and a half hours. Those matches were at least short. Yeah, they <laughs> were know? they were short, and yeah. that's what's you know and and we'll be able to talk about these individually next week when we preview the show proper. Uh, by the way, people should check out last year's WrestleMania preview. Yes. I don't know what the number of that show is, but I thought that was one of our finest hours. Oh, yeah. What a show that was. We we were really on point there. I enjoyed that program. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just too many matches. And, you know, and the weird thing is that they have a way to correct that. I mean, they've kind of screwed the pooch at this point, but all they had to do was make the Andre the Giant Battle Royal a bigger deal. And then you can throw a bunch of these guys that they think need to have their own match into that one. Yeah. yeah, and now there is an issue this year where they don't want to do the battle royal. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm saying previous years or going. Yeah, forward. but you're right. Under normal circumstances, um, you know, last year how many matches were on the car, and they had you know both the men's and women's battle royal. Mm. I, I just think to me, I guess it's different if you're like working in a company. If I worked there, if I'm a wrestler, I probably do one on the card. But if you think about it, man. Not losing a meaningless match at WrestleMania can do a lot for your future trajectory. Yeah. You're fresh coming mm-hmm. off the show. You didn't just lose. 
I mean, hell, winning a meaningless match at WrestleMania doesn't really do a lot for you. Remember the tremendous Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder title win at last year's WrestleMania? Hey, man, don't bash my broskies. I know. <laughs> like, I'm okay. okay, God bless them. You know, okay. In my, that was in on the pre-show, by the way, too, I believe. Yeah, in my, guy, in my day, guys blew a million dollars on cocaine, not wrestling figures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. By the way, that was episode 91 last year's uh, preview show. If you guys want to check that out. The last time WrestleMania was actually in a stadium. Relive WrestleMania 35 weekend. Go in the archives. Kyle often mentions that as one of his favorite podcasts we've ever done. Episode 91 last year. But, uh, yeah, I, I think another correlation is that like when a team reaches the Super Bowl or the World Series, the NBA Finals, like everyone doesn't play in the game. We don't need every single person on the WrestleMania card. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And here's something too, and I think you guys are gonna like this or, or find it to be an intriguing take at least. They bring back, you know, these legends or older, you know, like let's just look at the Edge Orton match, okay? I get why, you know, if it was a normal mania, Edge would want his return match to be back at a WrestleMania. But if I'm the company, wouldn't doing this feud like off mania season be more beneficial to the promotion, you know, in the dog days of September. Yeah. If elevate you, one hey, of those other pay-per-views. Yeah. Let's bring edge back in September. We're, we don't have a lot that's clicking right now. We don't have any major matches. Let's bring edge back. Just sell this show. Yeah. And, sure. and I think then you get less clutter because all these legends return for WrestleMania, and that bloats the card. Mm-hmm. You know, Cena comes back is another example. So yeah. I get why they want to work Mania, but to me, I, I think it would be more beneficial to the promotion if they worked a different show. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. It if, elevates uh, elevates a, a so-called B show. All these guys on this card. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we sound like a broken record because if you've listened to us for a long time, it seems like we have this same discussion every year. And it is an ongoing issue with the bloat of WrestleMania. And even relegated to a studio this year, it's it's still an issue. Even even across two nights, it's still an issue. Because I think you, even ha- you have the burnout factor even when it's two nights because it's two nights in a row of spending your whole night watching wrestling. You know, so... Uh, for a lot of people, that is a big commitment if you have a family and you have kids. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's certainly a worthy discussion. We'll see how it goes. But a lot of question marks, and ex- especially with what's going on now with Roman Reigns. So we'll have to watch the news boards for that. By the way, are you guys going to be seeking out spoilers or are you going to try to hold off? Justin? I am awful 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 when it comes to spoilers the only way i will hold off is if as a group we decide to do that for a show show purposes okay what about you kyle sorry i was getting dinged what did justin's i want to know what justin's answer was again can you repeat that um i'm 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 really bad about spoilers uh when it comes to basically everything you know movies uh, I knew the entire plot of the new Star Wars movie before I went and saw it. Um, so the only way I will not look at the spoilers for this, if they come out, is if we as a group decide to do uh, 
a spoiler-free preview? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hmm. I'm kind of the same way where it's like, eh, I don't want to see guys. It's like, ah, eh, fuck it. They're available. I want to look at them. Because to me, I, yes, I get that there is, you know, fun and being surprised in the outcomes, but, um, hmm, I don't know. I, I guess it does. It, to me, I'm like Justin. I think this kind of depends on the group. I think we're going to have to have a conversation. Maybe we put it to our listeners. Do you want a spoiler-free preview next week? Because the Observer has not dropped yet. And by God, this Roman Reigns news has probably sent Dave into a frenzy. But <laughs> He's like Jim Carrey in, uh, what was that, Bruce Almighty movie where he's like replying to all the prayers on email. Just smoke <laughs> coming up from his keyboard right now. That's Dave Meltzer right now. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Everyone assumes spoilers are going to become available here over the next eight to nine days. Uh I don't know which way I want to go. I guess it's up to you, you guys. We can have this conversation off air. We can have it right now. Let's do it off air. We'll talk. We'll talk. I haven't really decided yet if I'm going to look at them or not. I feel like I'm not going to have the self-control to not look at them when they're available, yeah. though. I will say that. Especially, I mean, as much as I'm looking on wrestling Twitter, it's one of those deals where even if I'm not seeking them out, accidentally I'm going to see something. Yeah. And then... I'll see something. I'll say, ah, fuck it. I'll just look at the whole card. Yeah. Let's 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 look at the spoilers. Do a spoiler-free predictions where we get all the predictions right. <laughs> yes. That's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just had this feeling. <laughs> Most genius show ever. Light and the Undertaker clean. I don't know where I'm getting it from, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got one more topic for in the news. Um, it's a moderately big topic. So before we get to that, I do have to get to a word from one of our sponsors here of Top Rope Nation, and that is our good friends over at Bet Online. So with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That is a heck of a deal. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, bet online, your online wagering experts. Okay, so our other topic this week is, of course, the dark side of the ring, return to the air this week. Uh, and it was the season two premiere. It was a two-parter, a two-hour documentary on the Chris Benoit family tragedy. Uh, I reviewed it over at comicbook.com, so I know you guys are kind of already familiar with what I thought of it. I'm obviously mm-hmm. going to go into it for the listeners here. But uh, I, I had to grade it out of five for the review. I gave it five out of five. I thought it was really well done. Was there some things that they could have improved on? Yes. But I think overall it was incredibly powerful, 
really difficult to watch because of the nature of what happened. But I I liked it. We're going to get more in-depth on this in a second. But I just want to first kind of go around the horn. I mean, what did you guys think? If you had to score it out of five like I did, uh, what kind of a score would you give it? So I'll throw it to Justin first. Um, I would say four, four and a half. Um, I liked it. I watched it kind of late. And it's just one of those things that's so depressing that I had to throw something else on before I went to bed just, you know, just to get the taste out of my mouth of just how depressing the entire thing is. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kyle? Yeah. And is something I'm going to get into a little bit later. It really kind of makes it not fun to be a professional wrestling fan more than anything else that has ever happened in this industry. Uh, I'd go four two. I think they hit all the relevant subject matter. Uh, part two, I thought was better than part one. Uh, obviously, a lot more emotional, gut wrenching, um, based on what was covered in part two relative to part one. Although you know, part one did talk about Eddie, which was tough too to read. You know, kind of go through again. Uh, and then you know, the attempt to bring some sort of closure for Chris's son and Nancy's sister by bringing them together, I thought was a fairly novel goal by the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh so overall I would say we we've been objective about all of these dark side of the ring episodes in the past. We've touched on most of them on the podcast. Uh of all of them that have aired, the only one that I thought was not good <laughs> was the Montreal one. You can check our our uh episode 94 we reviewed that and there was there was a ton of issues with the uh, Montreal Bret Hart episode that they did in season one. Lots of errors in that one. But I think all the other ones have been very well done. Yeah. Now, obviously, there is this... The underlying theme is they're talking about things that are unpleasant. So they're always going to be a little bit difficult of a watch. You know, Not all of them deal with death like Montreal didn't, but most of them deal with death. You know, We had the Von Erichs one. We had the Bruce yeah, I think Brady, every other one has. Gino yeah. Hernandez. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, so they are difficult to watch. I thought Hour 1 was very good because of the focus on Nancy because I always feel like she gets kind of lost in the story. Nobody ever talks about her, and she was very significant in the business. You know, I think about watching WCW TV in the 90s, and she was like a focal point for years. Uh, she was always a crucial part on the managerial scene. So I did like that they kind of focused on how she got into the business and her coming up in the business because you don't usually hear that. So that was good to see. You guys are right. The Eddie Guerrero stuff was really, really difficult to watch and, and relive and to hear Chavo talk about discovering him in the hotel room in Minnesota yeah, and all that. Awesome. That was really just brutal. Yeah. I had heard yeah. him talk about that on the podcast. Who's the guy who did Glow? Mark Marin or whatever? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was on his podcast and like Mark Marin, I think, was like, wait, you're you're serious? Like about all this? And like it, it was I listened to it, it was just random. My wife listens to that podcast, I guess, a lot. And she's like, Oh, this wrestler Chavo Guerrero's on. I'm like, Oh, let's put that. We were driving so like a, on a long drive and we listened to it. So yeah, that's a real tough story. Yeah. Hour two, obviously, like you guys said, they go into the details of the murder and suicide and it's 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 just gut wrenching when you think about what happened to Nancy and their young son, seven years old. You know, obviously they they went through kind of step by step what happened. You saw inside the house they had the crime scene photos, nothing with the bodies, which I'm glad because that would have made it pretty unbearable. 
but they did show the rooms and and how it looked and it's just one of those things it's it's been 13 years now it's so hard to deal with especially if you were a fan of Benoit like I know all three of us were like big fans of Benoit and it feels like you kind of I don't know like you've kind of blocked it out of your mind sometimes and when you relive it it just kind of like opens opens it up again and then you're, it's on your mind a lot like I've been thinking about it a lot the last several days and you're right it does kind of make it less fun to be a wrestling fan because wrestling kind of helped make this happen uh just yes. the, the industry the more though it was the way that Benoit wrestled and they got into that where like Harley Ra- they said Harley Race developed the flying headbutt he said nobody ever do this move dynamite kid did the flying headbutt. He told Benoit, who idolized him, don't do the flying headbutt. He ends up in a wheelchair. Benoit does it anyways, you know, and doing thousands of flying headbutts throughout his career, taking the unprotected chair shots, all the concussions that Chris Benoit had over his career. Um, I, I also thought Chris Nowinski was good in this. Not a ton of airtime, but they talked about the research they did on Benoit's brain. And uh, there definitely have been positives that have come out of this, like... Uh, almost entirely banning chair shots to the head. We don't see that very often anymore, but once in a while. But uh, yeah. WWE... That chair shot, they, sh- they actually showed the one that I sometimes I'll think of and I just cringe. The Royal Rumble 01 match with Jericho mm-hmm. when he does the tope and Jericho just cracks him mid-air in the head with the chair. Yeah, and then he almost goes head first into the, like, the ringside barrier too right after that. <laughs> I think he like it's not necessarily cracks, but he just kinda like holds it up and Benoit just you know, he just had that style that was just you know, just so um what's the word I'm looking for? Like I guess just intense for less yeah. lack of a better term. I mean he just like just put his head through that chair. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh man. I I struggle with how to like look back on his career because yeah. obviously what happened was due to his head injuries and mm-hmm. like they did a pretty good job explaining that. And I thought it, I'd never heard the story about Benoit, like sitting down in the locker room with Nowinski and telling him like talking about what was going on with research into brains and stuff. And he asked him um, about concussions and how many he had had. And Chris said, you know, way too many to count. So he was even thinking at the time, like before all this happened, that something was happening with him and his brain. And so we we know since then, like so much has come out about CTE. We've we've seen so many athletes, notably football players, like commit suicide, do awful things because of the head injuries. That's what happened with Benoit. It's clear, like if you followed his career at all, like he. Oh, it's so this is hard to talk about, but like he what? loved that little boy so much, and to think that he could do that, it just defies all logic. And you you know it's due to the brain injuries, which you know, connected to wrestling. It makes it difficult to be a fan. You're right. Go ahead, Kyle. No, I would say I wanted to get in because I'm really, really, really glad, Ryan, you brought the focus onto that because I have a lot of the same stuff, I guess, to say I have written down. Um, It is important to understand that this film was largely through the eyes of Chris Benoit's friends in the business. you know, you said it, Ryan, that you're a big fan. Justin, I know, is a big fan. Chris Benoit is probably my favorite wrestler from, like, the years 2000 to 2004, just to put an arbitrary time period on it. 
But you're right. What has always been, at least in my eyes, the key part of this whole tragedy is the why. Why did you do this act? I mean, you had Jericho on there. You go, why? How does this happen? And the parts of the documentary that had me the most engrossed were the discussions of CTE with Chris Nowitzki and that Harley Race anecdote that was shared. Um, You know, those issues, like I said a few minutes ago, they do not portray professional wrestling in a positive light. And I think they did do a good job talking about it. I would have actually liked to see more on it because that is the big picture here. And the Mm -hmm. legacy of this tragedy is the why. And we don't have that full answer, so maybe that's why they couldn't go full deep in, you know, even deeper into it. But um, we, we kind of do. And it's a lot more important to me, this is me speaking, than, oh, is it okay to like Chris Benoit matches again? Or, you know, should Nancy be in the Hall of, WWE Hall of Fame? That's a, some, I guess they're fair questions to be asked, but it's kind of a narrow scope to take on this issue real small potato stuff in my eyes and people are you know people can you know take away whatever they want it's subjective but again i'm really glad that that resonated with you that part of the story because it's to me the heart of the story and what needs to be talked about the most coming out of it yeah Justin, anything you would like to say? Um, no, I think you guys summed it up really well. It's just the, the you know, I personally, I can't go back and watch Chris Benoit matches because all I'm going to think about is, you know, what happened and that you know, all the reasons that a lot of us loved him in the ring is what led him to murder his wife and son. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it, because I was going to ask you, like, can you watch him knowing that the head injuries essentially made him a different person? But, yeah, it's true. The, then you watch the matches, and you know that that full contact style led to that. So that, that's I, I have point. watched matches of his, and there is that brief moment where you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy was really good. And for the record, establishing how good he was at his craft is part of this story. It It's mm-hmm. not the biggest part, but it is part because, you know, we wouldn't be kind of lack of a better term wrestling with this. If people maybe, you know, if he was just somebody who, you know, nobody had any emotional connection to. Right. I, that, that is part of this story that a lot of people, not just us three, like thought this guy was like the best wrestler in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's not a name known to the mainstream. And I do want to actually touch on something about with like the mainstream and, and dark side of the ring in a moment, if I can just get a chance, but that is important to establish for that reason that, you know, Chris Benoit, he, he was this incredible worker, but you know, you watch these matches. You're like, after that brief glimpse, you're like, God, this guy was so good. You're like, Jesus, this is just, it's not fun. Like to me, when I watch wrestling, I want to have fun. It's an escape from kind of my daily routine that, you know, I like wrestling ultimately. I mean, it's the kind of like, it's a very silly form of entertainment, right? Yeah. It's not supposed to be this really deep um, thing. And it's certainly not supposed to be something that like makes you depressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
and and unfortunately, yeah, like watching Chris Benoit to me, I don't know how it can't make you depressed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also thought another takeaway I had was it's pretty, I don't know what term should I use here. It's it's almost despicable that WWE did not reach out at all to David after this all happened. I thought like that really stood out to me where they asked David Benoit yeah, like what happened good. afterwards. And he's like, well, Chris Jericho and I think Chavo, he said, you know, kind of mm. reached out to him. But that was it. It's like, come on, like that's that is awful. That's a bad look for the company, and for his part too. I thought I've I've seen the interview he did with Chris Van Vliet a couple months ago too. It's got to be super hard for him to talk about. I think he has been really brave on going on national television and talking about all of this and you know showing his emotions because obviously he gets a lot of blowback based on what his father did that he doesn't deserve. He's pretty open about the fact that, you know, he still admires his dad and his in-ring career and stuff. And that's he's obviously going to. That's his father. And his, his father, father was yes. very was very good at what he did. So that's very understandable. So I thought I was impressed with him being on that show. But that really struck me when he talked about how, like, nobody reached out to him. I thought that was really awful. Um, the last point I had was that they, they did a pretty good job talking about how like the media right in the aftermath of this was really quick to like put the blame on steroids, even like at the time, let's see when this happened, I was like 23. It's like, I knew there, it wasn't steroids that caused this. There's no way that what happened was because of steroids. And then media like ran with that. I remember the most egregious example of this, and you all remember this, is Nancy Grace. She is oh, just terrible. Jesus. She is so bad at what she does. But she was What on is TV. she doing now, by the way? Is she just kind of like out of the business? I don't know. I haven't seen her in a long time. I mean, I'm not complaining. I mean, because you're right. Nancy <laughs> Grace is absolute 312% cow dumb she she was on tv like every night it seemed for like for weeks talking about this and like she would always have her facts wrong and uh i remember specifically one night she was talking about like all the wrestlers that had died early and she went on like this tangent about how like owen hart was one of them like do you even know what the hell you're talking about like owen hart has nothing to do with steroids you just lost all credibility right there and she, well, and she's she, bad yeah. Yeah, to be fair, Nancy Grace, it wasn't just this case that she was generally no. Wrong. She's been bad wrong at a lot of everything. Stuff. I mean, she was yeah. an idiot. <laughs> by the way, that is a record. That was a record percentile by a lot for the cow dung gimmick. Yes, <laughs> but anyways, that's that's what stood out to me, Kyle. You had something that you wanted to head on. Go ahead. Yes, and this is just kind of a larger issue with Dark Side of the Ring, and I want you guys to tell me if you think I'm crazy. And Ryan, we've you said something in the text thread to me that kind of got me thinking and maybe backing off this a little bit, but too often I feel that these docs are a little too quote inside the wrestling bubble. We talk about the wrestling bubble a lot on the show. And what I mean in the case of dark side of the ring is you have these people firmly entrenched within the industry, basically just speaking to knowledgeable fans who kind of already know the story and they're, just trying to hit on all these moments and it's not really cohesive the storytelling if someone was watching this and was god forbid a non-fan of pro wrestling Mm -hmm. um they did have the correct elements in that part one of this obviously you need to talk about the backstory of the chris nancy relationship 
establishing that Chris was revered within the industry and the friendship with Eddie. But again, I just thought the storytelling from the talking heads that they were all trying to get so much in it felt that it got a little incoherent and difficult to follow at times. And it reminded me of the savage one in some regards, which I tried watching my wife and she was like getting confused. Like, wait, what's going on? And if you try to watch these from a non-fan perspective, I think the storytelling and the timeline can get confusing. Yeah, I think the Savage and the Montreal one are the worst laid out of all of them. Like the hardest to follow. What I said in the text thread was that um, it's it's really only the hardcore wrestling fans watching it anyways. <laughs> but I mean, this is yeah. not a channel, you're right, that a lot of people are going to seek out like you know nobody's gonna i don't think a lot of you know just random tv viewers are gonna come across this so you're probably right in that regard i just you know the talk it was nowhere near as bad as like Cornette and russo and that montreal one where like the talking heads just completely like took control of the film and like just let it off a cliff yeah. but you know, in all due respect, I, I think, you know, stronger filmmakers can kind of rein in what these people are trying to say, weed out maybe some stuff that isn't necessary, and tell the meaningful parts of the story in a more coherent fashion. The other question would be, like, do you want the general public watching this as a wrestling fan? Let me ask you, Justin Joint. Uh, any of the episodes at all that have aired in Dark Side of the Ring, I think you've seen most of them. Uh, is this something that you would like sit down with your mother-in-law and say, like, hey, do you want to come check out Dark Side of the Ring? Yeah, because, I mean, she's not going to watch wrestling anyways, and it shows <laughs> it shows the human side of it. It shows that they're sure shit not going to call it uh, fake after watching this stuff. That's that's true. I expected that's you to say no, taste. though. Because I expected you, honestly, to say no. My thought was that because it shows the dark side, and you, if you want them to understand like why you watch wrestling, they might think like afterwards – Really, why the hell do you watch this? <laughs> like, look at all the bad that comes from it. But, yeah, I could see that, too. I think with a story such as this, just the kind of insider lingo and that approach is kind of a missed opportunity. Because yeah. this is this is more larger than wrestling, this story. Like, you know, like saying things like, oh, you know, they were all joking. Kevin Sullivan booked his divorce. Like, I get that. And we've all made that joke on the internet, but I think there are better ways to kind of explain what was going on. You know, I, I don't think we needed, you know, hearing, you know, you know, when Chris would blow a spot, he'd do Hindu squats. I don't think we needed to know that, you know, Eddie practiced the lasso from El Paso on Vicky before throwing her the high hard one. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. I mean, it just, it's something it was just bouncing around. And I, I think, you know, some of these documentaries, I mean, I, I kid, but, you know, th there are people who have brought this up before I've seen on Twitter. It's like, what does this documentary want to be? And as I was watching part two and they were kind of getting away from the CTE stuff, I was like, God, what what is the point? And then they finally did come to one. And I thought it was, you know, given who was involved with the film, I think bringing um, David and, and Nancy's sister together was a, like I said, a novel goal. But, um, you know, I think a more narrow focus and keyword focus with these films could go a long way in, you know, like Justin said, I thought that was a great term, humanizing pro wrestling. 
Yeah. All in all, I felt like they had to cover a lot in overall a pretty brief amount of time. About ninety about ninety minutes when you factor yeah. in commercials. And so they yeah. did cover a lot. And so you're right, a narrow focus could help. But with what they were set out to do, I thought they they did about as good of a job as they could. I, I thought that they did a good job spotlighting Nancy, that they showed all the elements of of uh factors that could have led to this and then we got a positive note not to keep it all negative with yeah the reunion of nancy's sister and david at the end i thought that that was kind of a nice touch to uh show that some positives have come out of this and then and then of course with changing the wrestling industry with the chair shots and everything so yeah we've we've learned a lot about cte in the last 13 years are still learning about it but uh i mean justin you've talked about this i think in the podcast before like you've you found it hard to watch American football because of the head injuries for a number of years. That is correct. Yeah, I kind of bowed out for quite a while. Um, I still watch occasionally, but uh, a lot of it's just kind of cringeworthy. I actually, I, I have that problem with. Uh, I love soccer, and you know those headers aren't something to take lightly. Thankfully, I think they ditched that in a lot of youth leagues. So you know, mm-hmm. progress. Yeah. All right, so I mean, it's it's worth a watch. I would recommend it. It's it's available free oh, on certainly. YouTube. If you guys haven't seen it, if you go to the Vice YouTube channel, they have both parts up now, officially released. So you can you can watch it right there if you don't have the Vice TV channel. All right, so with that, let's get to our main event topic of the week, and that is the Mount Rushmore of the worst WrestleMania builds. So let me crack a cold one here as we begin this discussion. So we got the patented Justin Joint Mount Rushmore gimmick here again this week. We need stuff to talk about with the wrestling industry being kind of in flux right now with what's been going on with the pandemic. And Justin being the creative mind behind some of our best discussions on this podcast, he threw out we should do the Mount Rushmore this week of the worst WrestleMania builds. So we're looking at this in terms of the entire show, like which did the worst job leading into the show. Now, the show itself could have ended up being a really good WrestleMania, but we're just talking about the build to the show. 36 is not eligible because we haven't seen all the television. We still have next week to go. We did think about putting it in there, but... uh, uh, we're no, we're just looking at the builds to previous the, one of the or four of the previous thirty-five WrestleManias. What are the worst four builds? So how 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 do we want to go about this, Justin? What are your thoughts on this? This is your gimmick. I'll let you decide the rules. How do you want us to share? Well, I might. I'm going to kind of lean on you guys because my Mount Rushmore is very like even more than usual, very subjective. Um, as maybe longtime listeners know, I went through two quote unquote dark ages with wrestling where I just, I kind of stopped watching for a while. So there are some that are, you know, I'm guessing that everybody's getting universally believe we're bad builds that aren't on my list. Um, go ahead. No, I'll say I, I, I could jump in. Cause I, I think there's two that most would agree on. For this, that to me immediately jumped out, especially there's one. Now, I already know it's not on Justin's because we were texting a little bit before the show, but um, 
I'd be happy to start it off with some of the more obvious choices that I think people would turn to. Well, so, yeah, let's let's start with give us what you think is the number one. Well, I think you got to go to Las Vegas, Nevada, nineteen ninety three, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, WrestleMania nine. It's coming. It's coming to the palace, Caesar's Palace, on Sunday afternoon, April 4th. The World Wrestling Federation's greatest spectacle, WrestleMania, is coming to Las Vegas, the new family entertainment capital of the world. This is universally hailed as the worst WrestleMania. I mean, there aren't many things in the wrestling industry that are universally hailed, but it is... uh, pretty much widely agreed upon that this is the worst WrestleMania. And the vitriol towards the show is how it ends, right? The Hogan title win. But to quote Modest Mouse, we were dead before the ship even sank with this thing. (laughs) And what I mean by that is the build is just as bad as the event itself. Brett and Yoko as the main event, that paled in comparison to some of these previous main events. It just didn't feel like at the time, like looking back, whatever, but at the time you're just like, this just, God, it just doesn't feel big time. And then the beefcake money ink feud seemed like a really lame way to bring Hulk Hogan back off his year long hiatus. Yeah. Granted, we did not know what the end game was for him at the show, but it felt lame. Uh, the world's largest toga party, a fairly embarrassing idea for your biggest show of the year. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mention that because I thought going in, like this was kind of an exciting show just because, it, you know, it was outdoors. We hadn't had that yet. It's in Vegas, which seemed cool. But you're right. That fell really flat. <laughs> yeah. And th- there's nothing on the undercard I was really looking forward to either. You know, maybe Evil Doink if I'm really scrambling. But that's about it. Um, and something else I want to say, we say this a lot year to year in the present WWE doesn't feel like it changes a lot, right? Yeah. Like 2015 and 2020, if you put on those, uh, a show from those two years, kind of samesies, right? Mm-hmm. Well, with WrestleMania nine, the change that had taken hold from the previous year, and it's the change is a drop-off, is just striking. Yes. And then 10 is so much better. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. This, but, yeah. this is, still, is I mean, a downer, yeah. You, but but it, it's just, it, you know, there's two stories. I may have shared them both uh, separately on the show, but it just kind of illustrates, I think, the build and where we were at going into WrestleMania nine. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to mania in Orlando sitting with a bunch of friends at the Airbnb and at the house. One guy starts playing all the WrestleMania main events in order day of the show. That was like his thing. He's like, I'm just going to put all the main events on in order here. And I'll never forget. We're sitting in the living room and we got to mania nine. And the one guy who was like the most casual fan of the bunch goes, is this when wrestling fell off? <laughs> and you know that to me just sort of more than anything that happens on the show just you just kind of see like it just didn't feel big time i'm with you i thought caesar's palace was a cool idea ryan mm. but 
look, man, I mean, wrestling really did. And it's not just like a subjective thing. I mean, objectively, it had fallen off with the steroid trial. I mean, 92 business fell off a cliff after WrestleMania 8. Yeah. And um, I remember, you know, I think I told this story again. I was in seventh grade. My uncle bought me a WrestleMania 9 shirt, actually, when he went out to Vegas. I was in home ec class, and this guy, like, talked shit to me. He's like, Ooh, WrestleMania, he's still watching that? Uh, the guy was a huge douche, by the way. Uh, in that home ec class, I'll never forget, we, my group burnt whatever pie we were supposed to make. And we're like, what are we going to do? We burnt the pie. And I still remember that guy talking shit about my WrestleMania 9 shirt. I saw his group. <laughs> Had their pie just chilling by the window. I swapped a man and turned the good pie in. We got a good grade. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Fuck That's that great. guy. <laughs> he'll, he'll remain nameless. What a tool. He's not on a worldwide downloaded podcast these days. No. He can suck it. Huge knob. <laughs> God, that um, guy was a knob. Maybe unsurprisingly, uh, my first Dark Age started after WrestleMania 8. So, okay, so you missed this. Um, yeah. okay. Nine did not make my Mount Rushmore, and that's only because a lot of this I'm basing off of my own personal excitement going into the WrestleMania, um, and I just wasn't around for this one. And going back and watching it, the only good or cool thing was uh, Undertaker's entrance, which, you know, might, was that his first kind of special entrance? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was on previous Manias, but they didn't have, like, any... Yeah, nothing special about him. A pretty chloroform-soaked rag they did at that show with Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, so that that match is like panned universally. (laughs) The announcers had to pretend they smelled something. Like, Randy Savage was like, what's that smell? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad this is on your list. I figured it was. When we were texting earlier, Kyle and I, I was, and Justin, I was like, I'm pretty sure me and Kyle have the first two automatics are the same. So I'm I'm glad to hear you say WrestleMania 9. I assume that was going to be. Yeah, you look up and down the card. There just wasn't a lot. I mean, I was pumped Bret Hart was the champion. But like otherwise, there just wasn't anything I was particularly looking forward to. I wasn't really looking forward to him wrestling Yokozuna. Uh, I mean, looking back now, like, yeah, Yokozuna was a very impressive performer for how big he was and stuff. But, like, as a kid, I was like, Man, screw this. Like, I don't really care just, about this Just mess. in terms of a larger-than-life main event, which WrestleMania is supposed to be, it's supposed to be this, like, really special match, the biggest match of the year. Yeah. Like, if you compare it to, like, any of the previous eight, it is, like, so far behind the rest. So if they could have done, like, Bret and Hogan or something at this show. Would be a whole different story. Like Hogan comes back just, for that match or something. Yeah, I mean, look, we could do a whole podcast on how I would have rebooked the 1992 WWF title scene. Um, I always thought they should have had this show be when Brett wins it for the first time. I thought they put it on him too early. Mm-hmm. And I never understood what the goal was with Yokozuna. If, you know, let's say he just loses to Hogan. I mean, was he going to win it back always from him? You know, that's kind of unclear. For yeah. me, like you wound up doing a King of the Ring, whether or not Hogan, you know, quit the promotion or not. Um, I would have put the title right on Yoko in the fall of 92 and built Brett up to beat him at WrestleMania 9 in the main event. I would have had the kind of the same match, but just reverse the champion challenger role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Or, Kyle, what's, or what's if the Brett, if so, Brett wasn't getting over? I would you could have put Hogan in that role, I guess. So, yeah. Kyle, what's the so we said there's two that are automatics. What's what's the second one, or do you want me to share? 
I could say. I mean, whatever. If nine is definitely the worst mania, eleven is definitely the second worst. Yeah. And again, poor build's got a lot to do with that. Yeah, um, that's the other one I had for my first two. Yeah. The build for this show, I'm interested to see if you agree with this, Ryan. Slightly better than Mania Nine, but overall the company was in wor- a worse place in 1985. Yes. Yeah, it's. You know, what's funny about this is I was researching this a little bit before I went on the air, and there were some critics at the time that called WrestleMania 11 like the show that saved WWF. I never really heard that before. <laughs> I've, I've always heard 11 as like being completely panned. But it did get some mainstream attention, which is you know obviously because of the Lawrence Taylor thing. So the build, I agree the build was better because of the Lawrence Taylor involvement, who was just like, if you didn't grow up in the... 80s and 90s Lawrence Taylor was like a massive sports star so that was cool definitely got him like that mainstream rub but outside of that yeah I mean you did have Sean getting his first big time world title shot at a Wrestlemania he'd got shots before but not Mania that was that was cool looking back but overall outside of Lawrence Taylor stuff I just felt like this was a really uninspired show which is ironic because I've always thought that Wrestlemania 11 had one of the coolest logos of those early WrestleManias, believe it or not. I love that, the logo coming through the clouds with like the purple glow on it. and stuff. I always thought it was like, I remember going to the video store and renting this and thinking that that was one of the coolest looking VHS covers in the section. But the show, disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, we're not even considering the show. It's just that I think the need to bring in Lawrence Taylor, an outside celebrity like him, to headline the show. Yes, shows where they were at. Yeah, it yes, it very very much reflected the state of the promotion. And as for the regular performers, you're right. Save for Sean, I don't think anyone was really clicking at this time. No. Uh, I think you would agree. Brett was totally being wasted in this time period. Oh my God! Yes, Bob Backlund. He, yeah, he just he mentioned on his podcast yeah. that that was his worst match ever and it was a logical thing because Backlund had beaten him for the title but they'd killed Backlund dead by having him lose to Diesel nine seconds like no one really took him seriously anymore and that match did suck really bad Roddy Piper was an atrocious referee Mm -hmm. but again just talking about build you know remember Diesel and Sean you know you're supposed to be getting Diesel over as the next great baby face and what happens Sean becomes a more over baby face. Yeah. So um, I did actually kind of like the LT Bigelow angle and build. I will say that it puts it above Mania 9. Um, I looked this up to make sure I was not imagining things. It did happen. Vince's cold open on the Raw the night after the Royal Rumble 95 is quite good when he goes, I would like to apologize for the actions of Scott Bam Bam Bigelow. It, it, I remember watching that, and it was like, oh, this gave us a real sense of realism. Yeah. So that was good. But otherwise, I mean, 95, I think I talked about this once on a podcast that I was really, for the first time in my youth, fading out of the WWF. And, and that's why this goes on my Mount Rushmore. I agree. Yeah. You look up and down the card. Like, what are you really looking forward to going in? Brett, Bob Backlund, uh, Taker Wrestling, King Kong Bundy. <laughs> Razor and Jeff Jarrett. I mean, yeah, they're just. I thought Jarrett was the worst IC champion ever at that period. Pre, I I did too. Yes, pre height, pre blue chipper Rocky Maivia. That was the lowest the IC title was. He it was just 
totally a mid-card title with him as the champion. And then, I mean, the Allied Powers against the Blue Brothers. Yeah. Might be the fucking worst opener in the history of any major show. <laughs> so those two for us are the automatics. So just Let's get a Justin one. Let's get a Justin that, joint. Because we've got half of ours. Yeah. Okay, because 11's not on mine either. I was still out of wrestling at this point. My God. Um. So my oldest WrestleMania that is on my list is WrestleMania 18. X8, if you will. Mm. Um, I, you know, the WrestleMania itself was, you know, saved by Hogan and Rock, but the build just didn't do a whole lot for me. I'm pretty sure that was the one where Edge and uh, Booker T were fighting for a, a like a Japanese shampoo commercial. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was, I loved Jericho and I, I thought the, you know, the angle with him and Triple H was uninspired. Yeah. Um, and frankly, it was more about Triple H and Stephanie than it was Chris Jericho. And yes, there, there just wasn't a whole lot on this card that had me excited for it other than just, and I, and I want to say this, the caveat is I'm always fucking excited for WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> um, and ex- that ex- goes especially for my last three. Um, but yeah, this one just, uh, wasn't super into it. That's a man's pick right there. You know, I actually, (laughs) so my fourth spot, I have several manias listed as possibilities. And at one point I was considering 18 for that spot. I removed it because the build for rock Hogan was so good. Like they had some really good raws before mania setting up that match, like some awesome moments, but Outside of that match, I would agree with you. It was really weak. I, it's it's up there. I think I agree with you that it's up there. I I couldn't put in my top four just because they did a good job with Rock Hogan. But like, yeah, you're right. Like Chris Jericho playing second fiddle to Stephanie McMahon was awful. The rest of that build was pretty bad. Kyle, what did you think of eighteen? Yeah, I didn't like that one either. I was really fading out of the company too. I think it was when we did our Backlash O two. Top Rope Nation Classic that I talked about how I was really falling out of favor with the promotion. I The booking had just completely gone off the rails and was, it was really kind of when you started to see the lack of long-term planning in the company take hold. Um, I was not a huge fan of Babyface Triple H. Never have been, never will. So that didn't do it for me. You did have that Hogan Rock segment, which was an all-timer and was really good. But let's not forget they completely wasted Steve Austin in a feud with Scott Hall yeah. for that show. Um, and also with that Hogan Rock thing, remember that shitty deal where they like ran into him with a truck when he was in the ambulance? Yeah. That was hideous. Like everyone, I was just listening to uh like not just, but it was maybe a few weeks ago or something. It must've been because it was the anniversary. Like between the sheets was like talking about, um, and it's so funny when people talk about ratings now compared to ratings then, uh, like, I think they re-showed the running, the, the, the whole truck running into the ambulance deal on like a SmackDown or something. They reshowed it. And like a million people turned off the TV. Jeez. Oh, like, like that is totally but like just to show how shitty that part was and it happened like right after the uh challenge for WrestleMania it's never talked about anymore 
Yeah. No one brings that up. Like when, when you talk about like setting the stage for Hogan Rock, they only show the promo. They don't, no one talks about that. That was quickly erased from history. And Justin, you're right. Other than that one segment, there was not a lot of good heading into WrestleMania 18. Uh, a lot of the matches were quite random on the undercard. And Kurt Triple H Ang- Jericho did not work. Kurt Angle versus Kane as a WrestleMania match? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah, have that in your four, Kyle? What's that? Did you no, have this in your four? I did not. But I, I like the pick quite a bit because uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I was not looking forward to WrestleMania 18. Maybe I should have had it as an option. It's a good pick. This is one of the few I did not watch live, like in my teenage years, on to, into keep, adulthood. Uh, keep that in mind because it was. I'm going to talk about that. I didn't watch it live either because I was a senior in college, and we did not have pay per view capability uh, in college, so I did not watch WrestleMania's 15, 16, 17, or 18 live. After that, there has only been two WrestleManias I have not watched live. Keep that in mind, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, I think I think that's a solid pick. I didn't have it in my top four, but I think that is very rational, and it's it's in contention for sure for for mine. And I can understand why you have it on yours, definitely. Uh, the one that I had on my list for number three that I'm I'm set is for sure one of my four is twenty seven. For over two decades, the greatest cities have welcomed the world to WrestleMania. Now on April 3rd, 2011, the most spectacular event in live entertainment is coming to Atlanta. Do either of you guys have 27 on yours? You know what's funny? I do not, and it's because 27 is what got me out of my second dark age <laughs> yeah because you were a fan of the Miz title reign right yep yeah yeah kyle did you have this on yours no i did not so i had this one on mine because it just the undercard also felt pretty thrown together for me i actually did like the Miz title reign too because it did feel fresh at the time it, it had seemed like wrestling had again, got into one of those periods where like everything was the same year after year with like Cena dominating and everything. But they brought the rock back and the rock's going to host like, what is this shit? The rock is the host. He's not wrestling. You know, like that was kind of lame. I, I felt like going in and when you look at the matches up and down the card, like we had Seamus and Brian on, on the pre-show we had edge and Del Rio, Cody and Rey Mysterio, Orton and Punk, Michael Cole wrestled on this mania against Jerry Waller. Again. That's one of the ten matches. Uh, we got Taker and Triple H, which we would get again. Uh, we got Snooky from Jersey Shore uh, with Morrison Trish Stratus yeah. against Ziggler. John Morrison freezing her out. Remember that controversy? Yeah. I mean, I just, I just didn't think there was a whole lot to look forward to on this show. There was the freshness of the Miz. I'll give you that. And his match with Cena. This is also, um, I believe, still it was at the time the only Mania where like every champion retained. There was no title Ooh. changes on this show, so I think that's kind of emblematic of there wasn't a lot of hype to even change any of the titles. You know what? I'll tell you what. I think this should be on my Mount Rushmore. As much as I was into the Miz. 
I think I o- completely overlooked this one because of the uh, promo of Nas's uh, "Hate Me Now," which that oh, wasn't part of the that wasn't part of the buildup. That was a promo during the show. I, I yeah. guess I gave it a pass on that. So I should <laughs> ha- I should have it on there. And I like I said, so, I agree with you. I think the Miz was a good champion during that period, and I really liked that. I just the, as far as WrestleMania goes, though, I just felt like it fell a little flat. Go ahead, Kyle. So the problem was, and you kind of touched on it, I'm with you guys, the Miz's title reign was good. But the problem with WrestleMania 27 was it was very clear the heat was between Rock and Cena. That's what people wanted. Yeah, Nobody wanted John Cena to wrestle the Miz on that show. They wanted to see Cena and Rock. And we, of course, got that the subsequent two WrestleManias. And it made for an odd main event situation where Miz was kind of a third wheel. And remember... The Rock basically helped Miz retain. Yeah, The Rock seemed like he overshadowed most of the show. I know we're not like grading it based on what happens during the show, but yeah, yeah, he kind of like he was this big looming shadow over the entire show, where he didn't even wrestle, but he was on the show. Okay, and God bless The Rock, cool guy. I say wrestle, you say mania. (laughs) Forgot about that blue ass. (laughs) <laughs> Again, happened on the show, doesn't matter, but I just think because The Rock was returning and that was such a big deal, that's why this did not make my Mount Rushmore. Okay. So give me one of yours now, like your third spot. Okay. This is my third lock, and then I'll I'll throw it to Justin for his two or remaining three. WrestleMania 32. Oh, All that's on mine. Yes. Okay. That's one of other mine than, in the rotating spot. Yes. Okay. Other than the eleventh hour Hail Mary type angle they did with Shane and Taker, which I didn't like, it didn't make much sense. What was memorable in this build? You had your boy Triple H baby facing himself at every <laughs> attempt at the expense of Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar phoning it in in the feud with Dean Ambrose. Why to AJ? <laughs> I mean, look, God bless Chris Jericho and AJ Styles, but that was pretty lame, man. I mean, nothing says modern WWE quite like trying to fool the internet into thinking a makeshift tag team won't break up because they just had merchandise released. Yeah. Do you, to this. do you guys Give remember? Break. You guys remember that, Kyle, you'll probably remember this because uh, I think you were writing for Top Row Press at the time. Do you remember how this show was not sold out for the longest time? Like you, they moved it was a bunch right of, started writing. Shane and Taker uh, helped move a um, lot of tickets. Yes. yes. It's true. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to tell a story here I've never told on air before. I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I wrote an article at the time, not on Top Rope Press, for, but for another site I was freelancing for. And uh, I wrote an article about how the, there were so many tickets available, and I did like a screenshot of Ticketmaster that showed how many are, how many seats were still available just like a month or two before the show. I received a very angry call from someone who works at WWE about that. They were not pleased with that article. And I'll tell you off air who it was, but someone at WWE saw that article, sent me an email... And uh, gave me their phone number, and I called them, and they proceeded to tell me how they were very unpleased with that article, and they, they, they wanted to tell me what the real story was with the ticket sales and all this, and they had some excuses oh. for what was going on, and 
I, that's that's one of the things I most remember about WrestleMania 32. Those are entertainments, Ryan. They're, yes, they were very they were very sensitive about uh, how ticket sales were going for that show. I'll tell you that firsthand. I think this is one of the so like nine and eleven. I mentioned those are probably the first and second worst manias. WrestleMania 32 is a bottom five mania for me. Um, again, we're not considering that, but uh, I, I th- man. I just thought this show sucked. And it, it, it wasn't a surprise that it sucked because the only thing that clicked in the build was something, you know, that I didn't really like. And it again, it made no sense. The whole deal with... And now there were a lot of injuries at that time. Remember Rollins was out. Cena was hurt. Uh, so they kind of were grasping at straws. But the whole deal were like, Vince McMahon turned to The Undertaker, and then The Undertaker would want to, I guess, character-wise, would have a motivation to rid the WWE of Shane McMahon. Made absolutely no sense. Yeah. And then w- there's no need to even get into the one of the most blatant, you know, uh, reneging of s- stipulations in the history of this business, where Shane lost and then still wound up on TV. Doesn't matter for this discussion. Uh, but, whew, this th- this was bad. to me the annoying thing was when it came to the taker and shane thing in the storyline they were telling they had the perfect match for that and for whatever reason they wouldn't do it and that's shane versus triple h i mean i I think that was the match yes well i mean triple h had to be the champion you know what 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 our title run that was (laughs) give me break <laughs> I, yeah, that's one of the worst type. I'm dead serious. I think that is one of the worst uh, championship reigns in WWF history. Yeah, it made no sense for him to get the title. Roman Reigns actually got over as a baby face, like they wanted him to when he beat Sheamus on Raw. Check the video, folks. I've said it before. In Philadelphia, Check- yes, yes, yes. In Philadelphia, they they show on on YouTube. You can find this. They show like the post match. The crowd is actually actively cheering Roman Reigns, and then they put him in that rumble. And you know Triple H just goes to work making sure that no one's gonna like Roman Reigns anymore. Everybody throws him out and crotch chops him. What an ass! Yeah, yep, yeah. I had thirty two. So my fourth spot. I have three of them listed, and 32 is the first one. And that was one I was, my gut was telling me to go with for my fourth spot. So I had 9, 11, 27. And then I have 32 question mark, 13 question mark, 31 question mark. Yeah. You have 13 question mark. Oh, I may have to adjust my notes here. I have Ryan Drosty may give me a cross look when I bring this up. Oh, really? Oh, I may. Delete that sentence here from my notes. That was like one of your... Is that your next one? It's an option. It's one of four yeah. options I have for number four. Yep. See, that's one of my options. I mean, it ended up having the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. But going in, that you card was that? very in flux. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and numbers don't lie either. Lowest buy rate in Mania history. Yeah. You're telling me that's not indicative of, of a poor build? It could have had a year-long build between Brett and Sean, and that would have been a good build. But they, like a month before the show, maybe even less than a month, I don't remember when the final four in your house was, but basically everything got thrown into a flux. So, like, yeah, there wasn't a lot of long-term build with this. 
And so 13, I was considering 31. This is why I emphasize that we weren't looking at what actually happened on the show. Cause 31 ended up being one of the best WrestleManias uh, of the recent years, at least. But going in, I didn't feel like 31 had a lot of hype for a lot of those matches. So I was it considering that too. What's that? Was not a good build for 31, no. despite the show turning out very well. But I do 31. feel, I, I feel pretty solid picking 9 11 27 and 32 as my four after hearing you talk about 32 and how bad it was go ahead justin no, i was just gonna say 31's on mine okay oh um, that's and that's the perfect showcase of at, at least for me bad build good execution for the actual show that is yeah but uh going into that there wasn't you know that it really felt like there were you know shoving Roman Reigns down our throats when I think everybody wanted Daniel Bryan. You had the hodgepodge kind of intercontinental title ladder match. Um, I don't think Randy and Seth was a great build. Um, I, the Sting and Triple H pairing felt weird, but uh, they ended I up hated, pulling off the show. I hated with the Triple H Sting thing how they made it a WWF first WCW thing in the year 2015. Completely yes. unnecessary. You think about the number of people watching that never even watched WCW by that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so give me a third one for you. So you've got 32, 31, on and yours. 18. What else? 18. Okay, so we've each given three. What is your fourth? Then? Mine? I've got four options that I'm weighing for my fourth. Okay, so do you guys remember I texted you that Three of my four happened in a four-year span? Yes. I gave 31 and 32. Do you want to take a guess? 29. Yep. Okay. I have that I, consideration, too. Um, I gave zero shits about <laughs> Rock versus Cena at that point. Um, I, I, the match ended up being pretty good, but I thought the build-up to Punk and Undertaker was kind of hokey. Um, especially considering, you know, we just had the passing of Paul Bearer. Yeah. Um, and and really, outside of that, there was not a whole lot else on the card. I mean. Triple H, Lesnar, don't get me started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, sh- I, the shield in a random six-man. Yeah, I don't know. Besides Mania 25, which I'm going to talk about also, uh, Mania 29 is the only other mania since 18 that I did not watch live. So that's why it's under consideration for me. And like you, Justin, the, the big three matches, the inevitability of the winners in my eyes, Cena taker triple H just did not interest me. Yeah. So Great point. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm trying to narrow it down for my fourth. I've got nine, 11 and 32. Okay. 29s under consideration. Justin just mentioned it. 13, um, I want to just double back to that because that's under consideration for me. Ryan, I'm shocked you were the one who brought it up. I really am. <laughs> Why? Just because I like Bret Hart? Yes, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to tell you where subjectivity overrided objectivity, and I'm not going to put it on my I'll, list. So I'll, I'll tell you what: if you start shitting on the build up to 13. Frustrated isn't going to be the goddamn word. Well, that's why I couldn't. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I couldn't put it on there. Because the Brett Austin stuff was so good on Raw before that. Yeah. All right. So, Ryan, you hit on something, though. The argument 
why 13 does belong on the list. And again, it's, this is the objectivity. We talked about the numbers. Lowest buy rate in Mania history for WrestleMania 13. Uh, this was the time when WCW was furthest ahead in the ratings of WWE. But, and something you hit on was the plans changing in what was Sean losing his smile, that throwing everything into flux. We take it for granted today, but it had never really happened prior to WrestleMania 13 where it was an unfocused build. Yes. It had never happened before. And again, I think that had a lot to do with the poor buy rate. Folks, WCW Uncensored did a better number than WrestleMania 13 in March. Hmm. Now, keep in mind, that was Dennis Rodman's debut. He didn't wrestle, but it was his first appearance when, you know, Hogan walked down like arm in arm with him, like they were getting married or something. Remember that? That was a sight to behold. Uh, also had that also had that great ending with Sting. Oh, was that a great ending? But um, anyway, but <laughs> Justin hit on it subjectively. The go home angle with Brett shoving Vince on his ass and going on that tirade. Gets this off my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> this consonant, Bret Hart. You've got to be terribly frustrated. Extremely frustrated over what has just happened. Whoa! Frustrated isn't a goddamn word for it! This is bullshit! Oh, we apologize, ladies and gentlemen. me! Everybody screws me! And nobody does a goddamn thing about it! Nobody in the building cares! Nobody in the dressing room cares! So much goddamn injustice around here! I've had it up to here! We apologize, ladies and Everybody gentlemen. Everybody knows it! I know it! Everybody knows it! I should be the World Wrestling Federation champion! Get him out of the ring! Everybody just keeps turning a blind eye! You keep turning a blind eye to it! I got that gorilla monsoon! He turns a blind eye to it! Everybody in that goddamn dressing room knows that I'm the best there is! The best there was, and the best there ever will be. Cut him off. If you don't like it, tough shit. Yes, that was one of the greatest promos in Raw history. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the, that is a great go-home Raw, that whole, that just singular angle. And that's why I think there, it, you know, again, do I expect something of that caliber to air on the next week of WWE television? No, I don't. But it's why I think we have to be fair and not put 36 on this list either. So 13, I took it under consideration. It's not going to get on there. 29 is under consideration. Justin just mentioned we talked about that. The other mania that I did not watch live uh, since I graduated college was WrestleMania 25. Again, like WrestleMania 13, we got one of the all-time great mania matches. We didn't know that was going to happen. And besides that Sean Taker deal, I don't think anything for this show clicked in the build. Triple H, again, his program with Randy Orton really sputtered toward the finish line. I mean, what's good about WrestleMania 25 besides Sean and Taker? I actually thought the build to Orton and Hunter was pretty good. Yeah, I actually, time. I love the promo going into that one. My God. I, uh, I, I will actually, I'll actually push back on that. I thought... Not that I like the match that much, but I thought they did a pretty good job with the build. My God. <laughs> Triple H sticking up for the McMahons and you sticking up for Triple H. Who would have thought about it? Um, this doesn't happen often, but... Uh, okay. 
So, Ryan, I think I mentioned this to you right before we went on air. There was a specific mania I was going to throw to you. And that's because you were there. Oh, 22? Yes. What here had any real intrigue going in? You were there, so obviously something must have intrigued you to go. Maybe it was just because it was close and it was WrestleMania. But That's why. <laughs> Okay. I mean, we had Triple H telling, again, again, telling us he's screwing up on WrestleMania build by telling us that John Cena can't wrestle. That's something you really want to do. That's real productive for the company. Yeah. I think the build of this one, I actually considered it for a little while, too. I think there was a lot of emotion behind the Mysterio push after Eddie's death. Yeah, but even that, like, that built, like, remember the Randy Orton promo? And that's not on Randy. That's on the writers. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie's watching you from hell. I mean, come yeah, on. I know. That, that was yeah, bad. That's hideous. That was bad. Um, this was this was in the era when they had Money in the Bank at Mania, which yep. there's always excitement for that match. Um, I mean, Edge the crowd, and Foley. Was yeah, Edge and Foley pretty, had yeah the legend. Were aspect. you guys? Were you guys of the opinion at this time that Edge was getting a raw deal? Having the take, having the title taken off of him so soon. Yeah, I think I was. I, I was like, I was just pounding that drum. There's, there's podcasts out there that maybe if people search really hard, they could find me just screaming about how they screwed Edge over. That's you know what? I have tried so hard to find those old Kyle Ross podcasts, and I have never been able to turn one up. I've, got, I actually have a hard drive of all of them. Maybe oh, I would love to hear those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i actually like you said i i did consider this one because looking back may it, it's it's kind of up there too but uh just don't think anything was like personally i just wasn't really looking forward to anything so for my fourth i'm gonna pick 29 because you guys push back on me a little bit on 25 i'm gonna pick 29 i did not watch it live uh that matters so 29 is going to be my fourth choice. So 9, 11, 32, 29. Those are my four choices. 9, 11, 32, 29. Okay, that's good. And then I have 9, 11, 27, and 32 for mine. And yours were what, Justin? Uh, 18, 29, 31, 32, which I would be open to switching 31 to 27. Yeah, so we're we're pretty close to the same page. And we didn't... To full disclosure, we didn't discuss these picks nope. at all ahead of time. We kept them completely secret going in. I mean, we're hearing them live right now for the first time. Yeah, although I think we we kind of knew you and I kind of knew nine would be on there. Yeah. But uh, for me, like the it's funny that I think if you look at like if you were to plot these on a graph over time, it, it seems that we're skewing a little more recent than old school. Um. For me, just because I was a kid during the old WrestleManias, there's no way I could put any of those on the list. Like, I get that, you know, WrestleMania 7 had kind of a foul buildup with the, you know, trying to exploit the Persian Gulf War. But when I was like 10 years old, I really didn't give a shit about that. Well, also, they had they long term booked better back then. So I, yes, I feel like those cannot be on. Just when you go through them, I thought of just a couple of matches that had like really long term build and most of them so i i tossed them immediately and you just didn't have big time matches during the course of most of the year 
Right. Like it was just a thing where it's like, whoa, like, you know, we, we kind of jo- I joked earlier about like the spirit of Gene Okerlund announcing some of these rando matches for this year's mania. You know, I used to like I couldn't wait for, you know, the WrestleMania event center back then. You know, I, I didn't give a damn if, you know, Jim Duggan versus Bad News Brown. That was a big deal, man. Yeah. <laughs> In yeah. You know, now I'd just be like, well, why? But uh, yeah. I, so so for me, I didn't even consider any of the older manias, even though, to be blunt, a lot of those older manias are probably among the poor manias in history. Like, if I were to make a bottom five WrestleMania list, 9, 11, and 32 are part of it. I would probably put two and four along with those as my bottom five. But um, I just don't think the builds... Well, to be honest, I wasn't even watching the product yet, the build for WrestleMania 2. I didn't start watching until late 86. And WrestleMania 4 was the first full calendar year I had watched uh, WWF. Yeah. So that's not going to be on the list either. Well, I feel pretty confident about these picks as far as making the Mount Rushmore list of poor builds. I think these are some solid picks but if the listeners have differing opinions or if you agree with us let us know topropenation at gmail.com if you want to send us a full length email we can bring that up for discussion next week otherwise get us uh get a hold of us on twitter at topropenation we're on instagram at topropenation and on facebook as well and so, also for the record if you guys want to know both justin joint and i think wrestlemania's 3 17 and 30 are among the best four yeah, I think I would agree with that as well. I didn't really chime in on that discussion, but I would yeah. agree with that. So with that said, Kyle Ross, I think Ooh. it's time for the Kyle Ross I Love This Sport Deep Dive of the Week. Well, we did a little, uh, as you mentioned, Ryan, Memphis talk on Top Rope Nation Classic patrons have access to that i encourage everyone to sign up uh so they can listen to that i thought it was a really good show we talked jerry law terry funk empty arena and so the patrons know this i gave a shout out to this match on that show and i'm going to give a shout out now for everyone so they can check out this is a great companion piece to the empty arena match uh the month prior Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk had a no DQ match in the Mid-South Coliseum with fans. And it is an absolute uh, just butte. What a match. One of the best matches. I would rate this match better than the empty arena match. Uh, One of the best matches, I think, maybe in the history of Memphis wrestling. Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk. It can be found on Uh, YouTube.com. Just to make sure you're watching the right one. Uh, you're going to want to see bloody no DQ match Jerry Lawler versus Terry Funk with Jimmy Hart again. That is March 23rd, 1981. Uh, something that if you're a younger fan with Memphis that you may want to check out as well. Ryan, I was telling you a little bit about this off air uh, after we recorded the show. There is a playlist if you go on YouTube and put in the search bar Mick Memphis, MC Memphis. In 1993, there was an angle where WWF invaded USWA. And Vince McMahon was a part of that angle. And he, five years previous to doing it on national television, basically was doing the Mr. McMahon character. 
I would highly recommend people checking that out as well. If you've never checked out Memphis television before, I think that, and you're younger, I think that's something you're going to find quite um, accessible. And there's an entire, there's a playlist, uh, probably about two hour playlist. So it's kind of like watching a full pay-per-view from that time period. You should check that out as well. That's just a little Memphis recommendation that I have for you uh, this week. I love that connection to the Patreon show. As you mentioned, awesome show we did on Sunday. Derek Chappelle, love that guy. He's a supporter of ours on Patreon. Been a longtime supporter of the show for a long time. And uh, he added a lot of, I thought, really good insight just kind of growing up in that area as we talked about Memphis wrestling. And, uh, yeah, one of the most famous territories in wrestling history. That's a great pick, Kyle. I have that match linked in the show notes on our Patreon page. So if you guys... Sign up over at patreon.com slash Nation. You listen to the exclusive classic show that we do over there for Patreon supporters. And you hear our most recent one, you can find a link to it right there in the show notes. Otherwise, like Kyle said, uh, go ahead and just search it on YouTube and you can find it that way yeah. as well. March 23rd, 81. And look, we're all bored right now, right? We're under quarantine. Well, how about more deep dives? Uh, we did not get the Blood and Guts match on AEW this past week, did we? Did not. How about watching a war games? Yes. <laughs> I, I know you guys. Uh, I mean, I don't need to twist your arm to throw this one on. Sting Squadron versus oh, the yeah. Alliance at Wrestle War 92. The best war games. Yes. Even better than the original, which I, is <laughs> very tough to do. I heard uh, Dustin Rhodes mention this as his favorite war games at uh, AW Revolution a few weeks ago when we were interviewing him in the the uh, press scrum after the show. I had a buddy who he's not a guy who you know he's a guy who likes to seek out you know, my opinion, watch old matches. He subscribes to the network, but he's not like a hardcore wrestling fan. And I told him that he would probably enjoy this. And he texted me. He's like, "How many fucking great wrestlers are in this match?" Yeah, (laughs) and it's true. I mean, it's just oh god. Did we do a show one time themed around war games where we talked about those old matches? I feel like we did, but I can't remember for sure. We're getting to that point where it's like we've done almost 150 shows. Those first five six months of 1992 WCW, my god, just inject that into my veins. (laughs) Not better than the first five to six months of. Whatever year WrestleMania 32 was in. I love listening to like you and Justin talk about that period of WCW. We've done that in the past. And I always learn a lot (laughs) hearing you guys talk about it. Because I didn't watch WCW as much of that during that period. Yeah, We did do Super Bowl 2 for Top Rope Nation class. That's a great show. People should sign up and pay for an account for that alone. That yeah, that is one of the best. Like not even just like classics, our flagship here that we're doing this week. Like of all the top rope shows that we have done, the the classics Patreon episode on Super Bowl two is, yeah, that's reason enough to sign up to the Patreon page. That is one of our best podcasts of all time. We've heard that from multiple listeners as well. So yeah, that's a ton of fun. Check that out. Like I said, there's at least sixteen exclusive podcasts on the Patreon page, plus all the other weekly benefits you get, the free gift. Well worth it. We had a ton of fun talking Memphis wrestling this past week. Uh, Justin, how familiar are you since you weren't on the show with uh, just like Memphis wrestling history? Have you have you watched any of those old matches or what? What what's your knowledge base on Memphis pro wrestling? Almost nothing. Probably like I, the Andy I, Kaufman stuff a little bit. Yes, exactly. That is it. Um, I grew up a you know WWE guy. 
um, got into, you know, WCW in, in that great age that Kyle was just referencing. Um, and I never really went back and dug into anything else other than just kind of a general history of things. Well, it was hard because, you know, and we, we actually talked about this a little bit on the Top Rope Nation Classic show, Ryan, that it wasn't until the proliferation of content on YouTube that you really could, unless if you were a hardcore tape trader. Yeah, it was hard to see any of that. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. That's why uh, I liked uh, having Derek on the show, because he grew up yeah. like watching it on local television. Yeah, and, and like, and he obviously was went there live quite a bit. I'll, uh, I'll shoot you that McMemphis um, playlist. Both you guys, it's. I think. I think it. It is a real eye opener to see 1993 Vince McMahon uh, cutting heel promos. Yes, and just the disdain he had for Southern wrestling fans that would come <laughs> through in the promos. It was just like, God, Vince had a fastball back then. What happened? <laughs> yep, that's for sure. Didn't really draw that well, though. You would think that like that would be like this huge drawing feud for Memphis. It actually didn't draw that well. And it ended abruptly when Lawler got into his legal difficulties that year. But mm-hmm. that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Guys, this has been fun. We, we ran a little long, but you know what? I, I kind of knew to. we would going in and we had the breaking yeah. news with Roman Reigns and hell, everyone's sitting at home right now with not a lot to do. <laughs> or most of us are. So, we thought we'd give you a little extra content this week. Uh, as we were talking, this kind of ties it all together. I got a text message from my sister just out of nowhere. She says, man, remember when you could like go to the store and shit? Those were the days. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a good point. No kidding. What a time we're living in right now. So uh, I, think, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered it. You guys have anything else you want to get off your chest before we hit the road? Um, uh, one thing. 20 minutes ago, I got kind of drunk. <laughs> makes for a better show sometimes justin yeah i i know we're running long uh we can save it for another day i teased a question a couple weeks ago oh, it's yeah, up yeah. it's up to you guys i mean how Don't long guess. do you think it'll be i'm i'm ready i'm game uh, five minutes all right all right i'm gonna uh, this is a hypothetical question uh you answer yes or no hypothetically if you answered yes this is what you'd get all free wrestling content. Obviously, the network is free for the rest of your life. New Japan uh, is free for the rest of your life. You get to go to any wrestling shows that you want, any tickets you want. Uh, free airfare, uh, two nights at uh, wherever the location is. You can't profit from it, but you basically get to go to any wrestling show. You get to watch any wrestling you want. You just have to do one thing. Oh, no. Uh-oh. You have to get a wrestling-related tattoo on your neck. On your neck. <laughs> so Ooh. I, I want to know: Do you say yes or no? And I want to, even if you say no on it, I, I want to know what tattoo you'd have you'd get on your neck. So, is there a certain size it has to be? Yeah, Does it that's have to be a equal question. to like Cody Rhodes' size. Co- Cody Rhodes' size. Ooh, oh shit! Man. Oh, that looks so bad. That's a bad tattoo, <laughs> Cody. But like it's free airfare to any show. Yeah, I, I decided you get two nights. Um, you're, you're basically flying there the night before, flying back the day after the show. Oof. Um, <sighs> so Mike, I'm going to tell you because I've, you, I'm going to give you guys a moment to think about this because I've, you know, thought about it. My answer would be no. 
Uh, but wow. If, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I had to say yes, I've been trying to think of what I would get. And the only thing that I, I contemplated was maybe like that Pillman era four horsemen symbol is maybe what I'd get on my neck. All the, the three fingers and then the four, the fourth finger being like half. No, up. It, was, it was the one he had on his T-shirt. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought you meant like when he would do, do the rogue horseman thing. Okay, because that's the toughest part is like coming up with like a, even a decent wrestling related tattoo. Wait, does it have to be a wrestling related tattoo? Yes, it has to be a wrestling related um, tattoo on your neck. But then you get all, all the free wrestling you want. Oh man. Okay. What if I had a big Z on my neck? I told everyone it was for Zeus, <laughs> but it's actually for my dog, Zuki. Oh, I thought it was going to be for Tom Zink. <laughs> oh. Could, I, could nope. I get like a dollar sign and have it be the million dollar man? No, it has to be. You'd like be a real act. asshole if you had a dollar sign neck tattoo. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be a real fucking asshole if you did that. I mean, yeah, true. It, it has to be apparent to any smart mark that it's a uh, wrestling related hmm. a z i could i feel i could pass it off and then just tell my friends oh it's for my dog man <laughs> <laughs> i don't care if you have a z on the side of your head neck remember grow monsoon <laughs> when he's like i don't care if you have a z on the side of your head you can't do that <laughs> man i don't know if i'd do it or not this, this is a tough question uh, uh we, we can give it a week to think on okay wait so you have to leave the next like so if I went to Japan to yes. see the show, to see any new Japan, show, I would have to leave the next day. I couldn't um, vacation in Japan. You No. See, that was kind of the key of the thing. I I didn't want to allow enough time to for you to do other things. This only it's only wrestling related and like I said you can't profit from it. Also, I'm not working in the industry. Correct. Uh, I think I think I think I thought of an acceptable one that you could get, uh, and even it wouldn't even have to be on the side. You could put like on the back of your neck, or how about just like the KO logo that Kevin Owens uses, just a KO. I mean, there's nothing like having another dude's initials on your neck. But I mean, yeah, but it's just like knockout, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Hey, you, you, that's kind you of an understated and, tattoo. Yeah. I think all the free I would, wrestling I think, you want. I think I would maybe do it. I, my other one is like I love the Bret Hart Hitman logo, but uh, um, so what do you think your wife would say about that? I mean, she probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't like any tattoo. I've I've run that by her before. This is really difficult, but I mean that is a lot of that, that would pay is, for years. A neck tattoo is bad. I think what you're saying here is Cody made a really bad decision. <laughs> it was bad. Cody, what are you doing? I'm telling you, By all of us in the crowd at Revolution thought it was a fake tattoo. We're like, there's no way that's real. It's temporary. And then everyone was checking their phones. And when we saw it, it was real. We couldn't believe it. By the way, <laughs> Sammy Guevara, what a treat this guy is. The Speaking of Cody, the making out with the picture of Brandy on Dynamite last night. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brandy's reaction. You know, people were saying, they're like, I'm not even saying this to be a dick, they were saying. But, like, that may have been Brandy's highlight in wrestling. Because <laughs> it was really good, that reaction. Like, ugh. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. God, Kyle, would you do it? I feel I could, if you gave me enough time, 
I could come up with something that would be passable. I what think about I the would horseman do it. logo. I don't I think the Z I could do. What if I did like the Z Wait, from nope. Zeus on my A neck? Re- nope. Nobody in wrestling's gonna know that's wrestling related though. I'd be like, oh man, it's Zeus. I really liked it. <laughs> Eighty nine, SummerSlam. <laughs> he drew a big number. I'll tell you what. You watch that SummerSlam go home angle where he no sells Hogan's church. That's a good angle. I don't give a rat's ass what anybody says. <laughs> that is a good oh. angle where he's like, like, and like Jesse Ventura's like, look at Hogan. He's scared. That's yeah. a good angle. Okay. Tell you also, what, I'll, 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 I'll allow the Z if underneath it, you put, it drew a big number. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, and by the way, to all our fans listening, hit up our Twitter account. Let us know what your answer to this question would be yeah. and what you would get. That's a good question. That is a really good question, hypothetical, because the payoff is great. Yeah, the payoff is great, but do you know what's not great? <laughs> Having a neck tattoo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. So you're saying you'd only do it if it was a Z, Kyle? That's the first thing that came to mind because I would really try to tell the line of it like not being like a blatant wrestling tattoo. Yeah. I would not get like the rocks image on my neck. <laughs> the Brahma Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, like the Brahma Bowl. That would be bad. <laughs> what could I do? You could make it religious, get Austin three sixteen on there. <laughs> just get the smoking skull yeah oh yeah put also oh you you don't know that part of the bible oh get uh get brock lesnar's chest tattoo on your neck oh god i what i look man i'm not i mean i'm kind of like skinny fat i would look like an asshole with that <laughs> i mean i'd probably, probably be, i'd look like an asshole with any neck tattoo to be honest Oh, a long neck too. That's kind of like frustrating. I'm not sure. I'm I'm gonna think on this over the next week, and I'm gonna give you my final answer next week, Justin. Excellent. I like it. (laughs) Kyle, you think on it. We'll talk about this next week. Yes, I will report back with what our neck tattoo would be. (laughs) You guys want to let us know your thoughts at Top Rope Nation on Twitter, topropenation at gmail.com. Let us know. Uh, With that said, we hope you guys have found some joy. With these podcasts, these several podcasts we've given you over the last couple of weeks, we'll keep bringing the heat for you, keep you entertained while you're stuck at home or in the car, whatever you're doing during this crazy time in world history. We appreciate your support. As always, leave us a review, subscribe wherever podcasts are found. We'll see you guys next week with episode 135. Take care. Peace.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.